That's an old school preacher declaring solid truths that are still applicable for us today. We've obviously heard a lot about something called the coronavirus these days. Well, there's another virus that lurks and it could be called a spiritual pandemic. It's fear. Pastor Craig Groeschel of LifeChurch.tv uh, jokingly, not jokingly, says that 2020 will probably become an adjective. In other words, in the future, if someone gets all worked up over something, we'll probably look at them and say, don't be going all 2020 on me. Uh, could be the case. Fear is increasingly prevalent in the lives of many people these days. And yet, fear has been around since the beginning of time. It's a common human struggle since our first human parents in Genesis 3.10, when they chose to sin, do their own thing, turn their back on God. It says in verse 10 of Genesis 3 that they were afraid. They, they hid from God because they were afraid. They didn't have to be afraid because God uh, is a gracious and forgiving God, but that was their reaction. Fear was the reaction and, and the reality in uh, a situation coming out of their, their broken relationship with God. Pandemic or not, fear is a tool that the enemy of our souls uses to, uh, to, to pull us away from God, to get our focus off of God, um, uh, to, to cripple us, actually, in our, or paralyze us even in our spiritual lives and to mess with our minds, with our emotions, with our relationships. In this Faith Over Fear series, these three Sundays, these next, starting today, three Sundays, uh, we're going to look at God's Word and what it says about what growing through fear and into trusting God in the areas of family, finances, and future, what that looks like. And please know that these messages are not coming from a judgmental place. We all experience fear in various ways. And I'm okay telling you that this series and this biblical truth is a reminder that I need as well. Uh, we all need to remember that fear is not God's desire for us at all as, as his followers. And if you're not a Christ follower, if you, if you haven't committed your life to follow Jesus uh, and you haven't surrendered your life to him, God has an answer for you in this life and, and in your fear. Uh, if that's something you struggle with, um, God has an answer in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you know uh, the Bible says something that, um, uh, like this, that we, that we are to have the fear of God in our lives. Uh, that is a different kind of fear that is more uh, reverence, respect, a sense of awe for who God is. So uh, don't confuse that with this discussion today, of course. Through this message, I want us all, including myself, to evaluate how fear may be affecting uh, our lives or various elements of our lives and, and how we can give that to God. And I want us to be able to do that, each one of us, uh, as God leads us uh, today. Pastor Rick Warren says this, that 365 times in the Bible, uh, God says to his followers, fear not. And he says that's, that's one for every day of the year. As a matter of fact, Pastor Jaden, our youth pastor, next-gen pastor, uh, referred to this in her uh, excellent message back on August 9th uh, when she dealt with this topic of trust as well. And if you missed that, you can go to eaglemont.church and, and listen to that. I'd encourage you to do so. Well, today we're talking about fear as it relates to family. You probably know this, that fear is a thief because it can steal what would otherwise be great moments, um, times of 
enjoying your family can be stolen if you're gripped with uh, fear about their safety, about their future, about their health or whatever. I, I mean, who would have thought that the decision to send kids back to school would be such a, a weighty decision? And, and it is. And that it would cause such fear for so many. No doubt the most common application of this message will be for people with children or even those with grandchildren. I mean, what, what, a, what a world our kids are coming into today. And as parents, uh, wanting to protect our kids is normal. I mean, re remember your firstborn, those of you that have had children. Um, your firstborn out there in the playground, picks up a handful of dirt and shoves uh, his hand fully or her hand uh, fully in their mouth. And, and mom, you, you probably freaked out. They're gonna die. Uh, by the second child, not quite the same reaction. Uh, by the third, certainly the fourth child, it's more like, we're gonna have lunch soon, so don't eat too much of that. Um, but there's this natural parental instinct that we wanna protect our kids. I was driving in Beaumont recently and saw a mom on her bike with a little girl, obviously her daughter, on uh, her little bike with training wheels behind her. And at one point, uh, as they turned the corner and the sidewalk hit a bump and the little girl fell hard to the sidewalk, fell off her bike. And I'll tell you, like any one of us would do as a parent, her mom was there, dropped her bike, landed on the sidewalk beside her, picked her up and just held her as that little girl cried. We, we, we don't like to see our kids in pain. And yet in this broken world, we can't isolate our children from trouble or pain or hardship. As a matter of fact, that shouldn't necessarily even be our goal because they can actually grow. And we know this in our own lives, that they can grow in their, in their character and in their trust of God as little children even through facing difficult times. If, if we as parents model faith in Jesus and, uh, and coach them as they, as they walk through those difficult times. And, and again, that's not always easy. And I've, I've done that as a parent. Fear in family, uh, in family life is, is not always about children. For some, it, it may be some of you that uh, might be a recurring fear of, of losing your spouse, a fear that they'll get seriously sick or uh, maybe because of what you saw growing up in your family, you have a recurring fear or a deep-seated fear that you'll lose your spouse or your marriage because of infidelity. You can give that to God today. Maybe for others, it's a fear of a time when your parent passes away, of, of the time when that happens. You, you fear that. Or uh, for some, it's that they'll pass into eternity uh, without knowing Christ, which is, uh, yeah, just something I can't relate to and, and, and it just is a, is a huge Wait, I can only imagine for, for some of you. Fears regarding family members are real, we know that. But the question is, what does God want us to do with those fears? I wanna direct your attention to a historical and, and New Testament story in Mark chapter four. And in this story, we see Jesus, after ministering to the big crowd, gets in a boat with his disciples to get away from the crowd. He's tired, he finds a place uh, in the boat and takes a nap. Verses 37 to 40. Uh, if you have a Bible, grab it. Mark 4, 37 to 40. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'd be happy to get you one. Verses 37 to 40 read, Soon a fierce storm came up. High winds were breaking into the boat. Um, sorry, high waves were breaking into the boat. And it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat. The disciples woke him up shouting, 
teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Really? They knew that? Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Fear can make us think the worst. Can make us think that the worst is going to happen, for sure. Right? Verse 39, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then Jesus asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Two questions, very interesting, challenging questions. And, and at first I go, what? Jesus is talking to his disciples here. Men that had faith enough to trust and trusted him enough to leave their previous uh, lives and uh, occupations and follow him on his mission. And yet here Jesus needed to remind them that in unnerving or, or scary situations, they could have faith in their hearts instead of fear. And that the presence of fear or, or the presence of either one, fear or faith, causes the other to be diminished. Jesus, in other words, Jesus tied fear in their hearts to a lack of faith in him. And, and we may not like to hear that, but that's, that, there's really no way around, uh, around it here as we look at Jesus' words. Uh, Jesus is saying that if we have fear, we're lacking in that moment in trusting him to care for us. From these words of Jesus, I want to go to the words of the Apostle Paul, another New Testament writer. Apostle means sent one. And this was a man who used to oppose Christianity uh, violently, actually. And, and he met Jesus personally and his, his life was changed. And he wrote about half of the New Testament. And he wrote a letter to a young pastor named Timothy. And, and yes, pastors need reminders um, that we do not have to fear as well. And Paul wrote to Timothy uh, in uh, this, his second letter, actually, 2 Timothy 1.7, these powerful words that, that some of you know well. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Powerful words. You need to memorize that verse, some of you, all of us. But if you're wrestling with fear right now, latch on to this this one simple but powerful verse. Uh, if you've got a Bible with you, get a sticky note and put it in there so you can read and reread that verse as you, as you wrestle with various fears these days that might be the case for you. There, there, there's just so much in that verse. I mean, God has given us power. Power. Because fear weakens us. And so God gives us power. Uh, when, when we're filled with fear, we can't love well. So instead of fear, God, God says he's, he's given us love. And then, and then he's given us, according to this verse, a sound mind. Because fear, we know it. It affects our minds in that it begins to blur our perspective and often creates a false picture where we begin to fear things that aren't even reality and likely won't even become reality. And so, anyways, this is a great verse that you need to just meditate, prayerfully ponder and let settle in your heart deeply. And so over the next several minutes, I want to share three simple points about why we can trust God with our family and then three important action steps about how we can cultivate this, uh, what, I, what I like to call fear-dissolving trust in God. Fear-dissolving trust, how we do that. So why can I, why? Why can we trust God with our family? Why is it possible? Well, 
three things quickly. God created my family members, first of all. If we believe that God created them, we've got to also know that he knows them best and he knows what's best for them, even more than we do as parents or, or a spouse. Uh, for, for parents, there are different stressors um, at different stages of our children's lives. And some of you are at the front end, middle. Some of you know this as you look back. Uh, parents with young children may think, uh, oh, it'll, it'll get easier when, when they're older. Well, it doesn't necessarily get easier. Uh, it's different. It's just different. As a matter of fact, as the kids get older, the issues and the decisions start to have bigger consequences, especially in the young adult years. But parents, we can have, it's possible to have peace of mind when we choose to trust the creator of our child's life with their life. And that's a daily, for sure, at, at certain seasons, a daily, even moment by moment uh, choice to remind ourselves of. Secondly, I can trust God with my family because God loves my family more than I do. I mean, let, let that settle in. I, I believe it 100%. And, and you love your family a lot. I love my family a lot. But he loves them more than I do. So the fact that God knows my family, as we just said previously, he knows my family members best and he loves them most, should give me absolute confidence that I can trust him with everything about their lives. Now, this doesn't mean that they'll never suffer hardship or pain. No, they, they live in the same broken world that we do. But God is always there to strengthen and sustain them. He is always there to bring his miracles into their lives as he sees fit, uh, to provide for them everything they need as they place their trust in him. And, and, and even sometimes when they don't, this also doesn't mean that our family members will never make a wrong choice or begin to wander spiritually away from Christ. But if they do, again, we can be fully confident, we can fully trust that the Holy Spirit will lovingly pursue them for the rest of their lives or until they turn back and surrender to Jesus. Thirdly, we can trust God with our family members when we know God's character. God is faithful. He is all-wise, he's powerful, he's compassionate, he's completely trustworthy in everything. And if, if you've journeyed any length of time in relationship with God, you, you absolutely know this. Back again in the uh, Mark 4 passage that we read from, um, Jesus, when, when Jesus posed the uh, questions to his disciples, why are you afraid and do you still have no faith? Jesus wasn't saying that we have to have this certain level or the, this, this immense amount of faith to see change or to make a difference. No, and I point this out because contrary to what some prosperity preachers might say, uh, it's not about the amount of faith. Rather, it's in whom your faith is placed that matters. In Matthew 17, Jesus talked about faith the size of a mustard seed, a very small seed, but he said that could move mountains. Uh, small faith, yep, but a big and powerful God. So it's who he is that makes the difference. That's why I can trust God with my family. 
So uh, that's the why of trusting God. Uh, what about the how? How do I grow in trusting God more than letting fear grip my heart and mind? That is, again, probably easy for any one of us to do. Three key action steps. The first, the capacity to fully trust comes through consistent intake of God's word. And if you've been around Eaglemont Church family at all, you're not surprised to hear me say that. It's non-negotiable. We will never grow through fear without submitting our, our, our lives, our emotions, our thought processes and patterns, everything surrendered to God's revealed will for us in his written word, the Bible, as the, as the Holy Spirit brings it to life. We, we don't have a hope of overcoming any fear without consistent intake of God's word, reading it, opening our mind to it, uh, prayerfully pondering it, uh, memorizing it. Uh, it will shape us in a God-honoring way more than anything else. And of course, prayer is important as well in this uh, spiritual habits uh, and growth journey, but, but even our prayer needs to be rooted in the truths of God's word. If you want to explore some ways to engage in God's word, I'd be happy to dialogue with you. You can, you can contact me or you can go to our uh, eaglemont.church website and find the resources tab and click on uh, spiritual growth to find some resources there. The second way I can grow, we can grow in uh, trusting God more than letting fear in, uh, is by training my thinking. Training my think. Training is, is hard work. Training, any kind of training, typically is, is, is hard work, takes commitment. What are your typical thought patterns? Is, is, is it fear that feeds them? Uh, think about that. When you start to get anxious, where's that coming from? Ask yourself some of these good questions. Is, is fear the fuel that keeps the, the flurry of irrational scenarios or possible negative outcomes uh, alive in your mind throughout most of your days? If that's the case, God has something to say about that. It's not his desire for us to use the minds that he's given us that way. As Christ followers, our thought patterns, yeah, they are to be God-honoring instead of fear-cultivating. And, and again, that takes a level of, uh, of determination and commitment for sure, along with, along with self-awareness that, that Scripture brings, that we just talked about. Paul wrote, uh, the same writer in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, uh, wrote about training our thinking uh, in his letter to Christ followers in the city of Philippi around 61 AD in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It's about in the middle of the New Testament if you're not familiar. Little letter, Philippians 4, 8. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What we think about matters. I, I love the New Living Translation uses the phrase, fix your thoughts on. Just focus. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and, and so on. I probably don't need to convince you that taking in an overabundance of news, if we can call much of it news, but I, I've experienced this and I've heard some of you say it. It, it can cause a, a dark negativity, actually, to settle in our minds 
just something to be aware of in this whole process of uh, grappling with, with fear and, and, and training our thoughts. What would it be like if every day you were completely aware, dialed into uh, the, the thoughts of yours that are negatively influencing your, your, your feelings, your mood, your perspectives, maybe even your confidence, and, and certainly even your, your confidence in God and your ability to trust Him. I, I think that being aware is, is one of the key first steps to, to being able to ask God honestly to help you train your thinking to, to honor Him and to encourage and strengthen your soul and, and, and thus be a, an influence positively on others around you. There's so much good that can come out of this. Training our thinking. With the enablement of the Holy Spirit, we can decide what thoughts will occupy our minds. We, we really can. I, and I love how straightforward the Old Testament prophet Isaiah was in Isaiah 26.3. Talking to God, he writes, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. It's up to us as to how we balance our, our thoughts on God or on those things that cause us fear. That's the, that's the choice and the commitment piece of, of training our thinking. Thirdly, I grow in trusting God uh, through talking honestly to God and to others about my fears. And so we're talking about prayer and accountability, two biblical and important and beneficial things. I recently saw an Instagram post about a guy climbing Everest and there was a picture of him uh, walking across uh, with his big hiking boots and all that, uh, walking across an aluminum ladder over a very deep crevasse. And here's what he wrote in that post. He said, one of the most common mistakes I've seen is assuming that fears represent weakness, but this couldn't be further from the truth. Acknowledging our fear makes us embrace our vulnerability, allowing us to feel our limits and find our strength. It's a great statement. Now, the writer of that uh, paragraph did not bring God into the equation, but for the Christ follower, God is, is how we find strength in the midst of fear. He is our strength. In the, midst, in the midst of fear. And, and that strength is delivered through honest, uh, some of the things we've talked about, but also delivered through honest dialogue with God in prayer. As a matter of fact, at the first pulse that you feel of anxiety, that should be for us an indicator that, that just that our default reaction at that point is to pray. That, that at that point, we need to start talking to God about what's, what's going on in our minds, in our hearts, and, and not let fear uh, take root at all. So, so anxiety can be like uh, the warning lights that appear on the dashboard of your car that tell you it's time to address a problem. In the same way, let's, let's allow the, the, the first sign of anxiety in our gut to be uh, the, the warning light of our spiritual life that it's time to address the problem. And that way is to start to pray, to start talk to God honestly. You're not, you're not bothering your heavenly father. If, if, if it's something that causes you concern, he cares about it. He wants you to talk to him about it. And so there it is. Intake of God's word, train our thinking, being mindful of our thought patterns, 
and talking to God and a trusted friend, that part we didn't get to uh, this morning for time's sake. But these are, these are, these are very doable and, and yet life-changing things that will, will take us from fear to faith as a pattern. I'm not saying any one of us will ever, uh, never, ever have a fear again. No. But how much does fear get its claws into our hearts and minds and, and starts to impact so many areas adversely, so many areas of our life? I want to wrap up by giving you an assignment. That's right, homework at church. Whether you're in your living room or somewhere out hiking and you're, got, you're using up some data, uh, here's some homework based on 2 Timothy 1.7, that verse that I've asked you to memorize. Once you take a piece of paper and I want you just to begin to list, and you may not do it all in one sitting, you might over the next week or the next day or two or three, whatever, make a list of all the things that cause you fear to any degree. List them. List them all. And then take some time and pray through, talk to God through that list, one item, one fear at a time, confessing those to God, asking him to show you why there is that kind of fear reaction in those various areas of your life. Uh, tell him you don't want that to be the case anymore. Ask for his help and strength and some of his own, uh, by the Holy Spirit's leadership in your life, strategy to overcome those fears. And then I want you, after you've done that, I want you to take a pen. Maybe if you've written it in blue ink, you can take a red pen, or if you've written it in pencil, you can take a blue pen or whatever. Some different color. Maybe it's a pencil crayon, whatever. Whatever will have impact for you. I want you to simply write over each one of those lines of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7. 2 Timothy 1.7. And then as you do, read the verse. And probably by the end of your list, you'll have memorized that passage. Tell me, after you do that, how that went for you and what that felt like. I look forward to hearing from you. I want us to close in a prayer, a, a, a fear not prayer, that we're going to be uh, praying in some format these next three Sundays at the end of the, the three messages. And Pastor Joel is speaking next week on uh, fear as it relates to finances. And so uh, you'll want to, uh, don't miss that. But pray with me this prayer. And you can, uh, if you want this in print, you can uh, contact, uh, contact the church and we will get this to you. Heavenly Father, because your word says that we are not to fear, I express my desire and commitment to fully trust you with my family members whom you love even more than I do. Holy Spirit, I ask for your help in moments when anxiety and fear begin to surface in my mind. In those moments, please help me to hear your reminder that you are completely trustworthy. Please empower me to choose faith in you as the all-powerful, all-wise, all-loving God so that fear will have no power over me or my thinking. I commit to... Set, uh, setting my mind on the truth of your written word that will help me choose faith over fear in my everyday life. So I bring you glory and grow my heart to trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to make a decision today to surrender your life to Jesus and become a Christ follower, you can do that. Turn to God and just 
Tell him. Tell him you want his forgiveness. Tell him you want him in your life. Tell him you want to follow him. And his best way for you to do life and into eternity, the gift of eternal life that he brings through what Jesus did on the cross. Tell him you want him to be the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life and that you want to surrender fully, turning from your old, old life, turning from your sin and turning to him in grace like we, like we all need to do if we want to follow him. And if you did that, I encourage you to text uh, the word Jesus, text Jesus to the number that you see on the screen just so that, that we can be excited together with you and, and come alongside you and, uh, and, and help you establish this new walk with Jesus. We'd be honored to do that. So I pray you would uh, experience a sense uh, of God's nearness every day this week as you continue to grow and work through your fears with the word of God and the help of God. God bless you.